I lived without him for 53 years and you know okay. I'll be fine the next 53 if if he chooses not to to come around I, I'm not sitting here by myself without any love in my life so um, I can't I can't dwell on it you know like I say there are days that that are hard Who am I? 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 This is Who Am I Really? A podcast about adoptees that have located and connected with their biological family members. I'm Damon Davis, and on today's show is Gayla, who called me with her best friend, Lisa, from Georgia. Gayla said she was loved so much by her adopted parents that you never would have known she was an adoptee. When she found her biological mother, they got really close until the woman said something unkind about her adopted mother that strained their relationship some. Locating her biological father, Gayla was met with rejection until she drove five hours to meet the man face to face. A well-intended misstep drove a wedge between them, so she holds out hope that her apology will be meaningful and they can be friends. This is Gayla's journey. When Gayla called me, she wanted to make sure I knew she wasn't alone as she shared her story. Well, I'm going to tell you, I have my support system here with me, my dearest friend who uh, has been through this journey with me. That's um, cool. Who is I that? Felt like needed, I felt like she needed to be here. It's uh, Lisa. Um, I, I'm across the cul-de-sac from her for a reason god put me here and she's just the next best thing to a sister i that, couldn't couldn't have a better support that's amazing well tell lisa i said hi hi damon i can hear you <laughs> hey lisa i'm glad you're there for her this is really cool very good i'm interested i'm going to be interested to hear too how you've been supportive over the years so she reins me in that's how she <laughs> oh yeah lisa you're the one you're the one to talk her off the ledge <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Gayla said she always knew she was adopted, but you would have never known she was adopted if someone didn't tell you. She was loved very much by her parents. I, I was there, so really, it's really kind of fun to think of my life as an adoption story because I didn't feel adopted. Mm. You know, I, I, I debated on even contacting you about this because people may listen to this and say well she wasn't really adopted even though i was because mm -hmm. I, I i was never made to feel that way mm -hmm. um, I, I think i have an, an exceptional adoption journey and and i feel very blessed by that that's really awesome mm -hmm. tell me a little bit about what what that blessing means is it I mean, is it love and comfort? Is it support in your athletics or performance arts? Tell me what life was like. How were your parents to you? My mother, there was nothing in her eyes that I couldn't do. Um, I didn't always believe that I could do anything, but she did. Um, she supported any adventure that I went down, whether she necessarily agreed with it or not. Um, she She was just... She was a support like everybody dreams to have in a parent. I mean, she she wanted a child so badly, and she showered me with love. Um, 
<laughs> I'm a little embarrassed to admit it, but she towed me to the breakfast table till my feet dragged the ground. I mean, that's that's how much she loved me. Um, she greeted me every morning with a hug and a kiss and an I love you and picked me up and towed me down the hallway. <laughs> um, way too long. <laughs> Yeah, everybody, I mean, it's good, it's better that she be a good parent in that way than a not-so-hot parent in a whole lot of other ways, right? Yeah, oh, most definitely, most definitely. Uh, she she was a stern woman, and there, you know, there were rules, and there were consequences, and I'm not going to say that there weren't times that I really didn't like her, but, mm -hmm. <laughs> but I knew at the end of the day that all of that was wrapped in love, so... You know, after I got over my pout, <laughs> we, we were back to normal. So That's great. Yeah, we all go through it, biological or yeah. not. <laughs> yeah. There comes a moment when you think to yourself, if there was a trade-in program for parents, I might enroll. <laughs> Gayla's parents were a little older for their generation when they adopted her. Her mother was 38 years old. Her father was 45. They tried for years to adopt, but... Health issues prevented the state of Georgia from approving their desires. Gayla was adopted as an infant. She was delivered from the hospital to the insurance office where her mother was employed by the gentleman that handled her adoption. Everyone in the office knew she was seeking adoption and they were all supportive, buying her a bed and supplies as they participated in the adoption journey as an office family. Gayla lived in a small rural town in Georgia. Her father was an insulin-dependent diabetic. When she was four years old, her father had pneumonia. And went to the hospital. Mom took him to the hospital. And the doctor just insisted on a chest x-ray. And he, he re really wasn't strong enough to sit up by himself, much less stand. And uh, when he stood up to, to go for the x-ray, he had a heart attack. He fell over on top of my mom there oh, in the emergency room floor. Oh, gosh. Um, so... That, that was bad. I mean, it, it was it was tough. I was a daddy's girl. Wherever he was, I was. Um, so that was a hard conversation for my mother when she'd come home to try to explain that he wasn't coming back. And that was the first word to ask her is, where's daddy? But, uh, you know, we, we managed. Yeah. So. That sounds really tough at four years old for a daddy's girl. That's, I can't even yeah. imagine. Yeah. Wow. I, I was a little bit spoiled. Wherever he was, I was. You know, he, he bought me a pony. <laughs> I couldn't sit on the thing. I was 18 months old. I couldn't sit on it by myself, but I had it because mm. he wanted me to have it. Um, so he he was my joy. <laughs> I love my mother, don't get me wrong. No, I hear you. But, uh, I, I was a daddy's girl, most definitely. Gayla and her mother managed. They were alone for eight years. Her mother moved them back to her hometown, then got remarried when Gayla was 12. That was tough for Gayla, but her stepdad was someone her mom had already known for years. She said she was really against their marriage in the beginning, and she said some things to him that she later regretted, especially because, in the end, Gayla said she wouldn't have traded him for anything. He was just a good man. They were married for 20 years before her mom's passing. Since things were so loving in her life, I wondered what the trigger was that made her want to search. She said it all came from a dream she had. I had a dream when I was 22, and had I not had that dream, I probably never would have looked. Um, and, and being a woman and, and someone who's, you know, 
Carrie's life if you choose to have children. I dreamed I had twins. And it was like, okay, you don't know anything about yourself. You don't know if twins is something that might be in your future. Um, you, you really don't know anything about yourself. <laughs> so, at that, and my mother had always told me she would help me look. Um, like I said, she had health issues. So, she was always very open and and tried to tell me, you know, when you're ready. And I'm like, I don't look for her. <laughs> you're my mama, and that's not going to change. And, mm-hmm. you know, so um, when I had that dream, it, it was like, yeah, you, you probably need some answers. <laughs> so at that point was when I decided. And that was probably the hardest conversation I ever had with my mother because even though she had always told me she would help me, and she did that because, you know, she didn't know if she was going to, live until I was a grown woman and she wanted me to have a mother if I you know was at that point where I still needed a mother um but that that was hard because I felt like even though she had offered the information and to help me it was almost like a betrayal but you know she hugged me and loved me and said we'll do this and we did It was around 1989 when Gayla broached the topic of a search with her mom. Starting the story of her search, Gayla told me about her private adoption. Like I said, they had tried for many years to go through the state, and the state just kind of laughed at them and said, no way. Um, But my mother was a very determined person, and when she wanted something, then she was determined she was going to make it happen. And um, she wrote her state representative who ironically lived in the same town that she did at the time and uh, told him that she wanted a baby and she he was going to help her get one <laughs> which was kind of bold but that was my mother until the day she died yeah. she, was, she was a bold bold person and he happened to know um, the minister that my biological mother was living with and uh, he said well you know I don't know what her plans are but I'll reach out so I had My mother had the legal document that actually had my mother's name on it where she had signed the paperwork. So I I had a lot more than most people do um, to start a search. It still wasn't completely easy. Um, I was fortunate that the representative um, was still living when I decided to look. Um, And he gave me the the minister's name. Um, So I reached out to the minister um, he really didn't want to help me, um, and I get that. He was protecting my biological mother and, and her right to privacy. But like my mama, I was kind of determined, so I wrote him a long letter and you know explained that I understood that she was probably married and had children, and that wasn't my desire to tear up her family. But here's some questions. She can answer them and send them back, and she never has to you know, never has to talk to me if she doesn't want to. Mm -hmm. Um, But I needed some answers. Gayla dropped her letter in the mail to the minister. She hoped the minister would reconsider if she explained that she had no malicious intent in seeking her birth mother. She just wanted to know more about herself. Two weeks after mailing the letter, she was walking out the door for work one early morning when her phone rang. She almost let the caller leave a message on her answering machine, but... Having an older mother, she figured she'd better answer the phone just in case something was wrong and her mother needed her. Gayla went back inside to answer the call. And when I did, it was, of course, my biological mother. So, Wow. 
Yeah. <laughs> you're walking out the door and your biological mother calls. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, so how that was that was first conversation? A brief conversation because I was on my way to work and, mm-hmm. you know, I, I couldn't stop and talk. But um, I did call her back uh, a couple days later and, and we had a very lengthy, uh, probably two or three hour phone conversation. Wow. Um, Before you get to that. There, Tell me, sorry, tell me what were those two or three days like? You've just gotten a call. You walked out the door. You couldn't speak to your biological mother, but you're you're mulling this over for two or three days. What was going through your mind? I was anxious. I was scared. I mean, you know, I didn't know what all I was about to find out. I mean, um, I didn't know how much information I was going to get from her or how little. I didn't know if... You know, she and my father were married or, or anything. So, you know, it was all kind of rolling through my head. It was it was really like a roller coaster <laughs> of emotion. Yeah. But um, I needed it to kind of get my thoughts together um, as to what I really wanted to know from her. Hmm. Um, so it, it was it was exciting, but it was also calming and that I had the time to sit and gather my thoughts before I actually had the conversation with her. That second conversation was good, emotional, Gayla said. She was excited to hear her story as compared with the story she had dreamt up in her own mind about how she was conceived. The whole thing was emotional. We all, I guess, fantasize maybe about what our beginnings were. Um, Mine was not the happiest. Um, I was a one-night stand. I'm still trying, even though it's been 30 years, still trying to piece it all together and make sure I didn't miss things in that conversation. Uh, Fast forward now that I have met my father. Um, So now I see both sides of things, and there's some things that my mother and I are going to have to revisit um, that maybe I took the wrong way. but in that initial conversation, I mean, you know, it it was kind of sad to find out that it wasn't a pleasant thing for her. But, it, you know, it, it was one of those things that I just had to stand back and say there was nothing I could do to change that and take what she was telling me and process it and move forward. I found out, you know, that I have a, I had a sister. I grew up an only child, so... You know, it was it was neat to know that I now had a sister. You know, so it was a lot of a lot of new and a lot of sad and a lot of exciting, all rolled up into one ball. <laughs> yeah, wow. You're the way you're talking about your conception. It's hard to know whether you're saying you're sad because you found out it was simply a one-night stand or if there's something deeper and she was assaulted? I don't I don't believe from those early conversations. And like I said, I now that I have the other side of things, that's a conversation that we are going to have to have again to get some clarity. I don't necessarily think she was assaulted, but I don't think it was a warm and fuzzy, if that makes sense. The original conversation that we had was that she went on a blind date. So, I mean, she had gone out with this person. 
there was alcohol involved and I think one thing led to another and I think she probably regretted where it wound up mm-hmm. but I don't think until I have this continuing conversation with her I don't think that it was necessarily assault but I don't think that it was necessarily a hundred percent wanted either I think it was a kind of I want to get out of this so let's do it and move on and and be done especially when I had been so blessed to live in such a loving home um, to find out that she found herself in that position where she probably didn't want to be but felt like that was the only way to get out of it yeah wow hmm yeah that is I'm trying to imagine what that must feel like to feel like the only way out of a situation is your own bodily submission to give this other person what they're sounds like demanding, at least from her side of the story. Wow. Well, and, and that's, that's where I am with it right now. Um, like I say, I don't have, I don't have full story from either side and I don't know that I'm ever going to get the full story from my father's side, but you know, that will be his error because then I'm left to assume. Um, <laughs> and, you know, assumptions don't always take you down the road that you want them to. After that deep conversation, Gayla and her birth mother agreed they definitely wanted to meet one another. And she wanted to meet her sister, too. Gayla was an only child growing up, so the introduction of a sibling was a new adventure. At the time, Gayla was living in southeast Alabama. Her first family lived in North Carolina. Gayla made the trip to see them, and she stayed in her birth mother's home. And my sister, she said, you know, it all makes sense. She said, we would sit and we would watch, you know, back in that era, Maury and all these shows were big, and they would do adoption stories. And and my sister would say, you know, her mood would change. She said, and I never really understood why. And she said, but now I do. You know, so she even realized things that, she really didn't know was going on at the time because she didn't know about me. Um, but she was witnessing the change in, in my mother's mood and behavior and, you know, just overall sense of what was happening in that time and place when they would be watching these shows. We hit it off pretty well. I mean, I was a novelty to her. She was a novelty to me. Yeah. Mom and I were still feeling our way, you know. She wanted to know everything she could about me. I wanted to know everything that I could find out about her. Tell me a little bit about what it was like to stay in her home. You've never met this woman before, and you're a guest in her house, and she's your biological mother. What was that like? It was surreal, really. I mean, I've always been a loving person. I don't meet a stranger. So, I mean, it was very comfortable. Um, because that's just who I am. I don't meet a stranger. I can walk up to somebody on the street and in 15 minutes, you're probably going to know way more about me than you want to. And (laughs) I'm probably going to know way more about you than you intended to tell me. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) You know, that's just, that's who I am. I'm a people person. I love people. I don't, I don't meet a stranger. So it really wasn't that odd other than I knew I was, sitting in the house with 
a biological relative for the first time. Gayla's sister could see ways that she was like her birth mother. Her sister noticed they carried themselves in a similar fashion sometimes, and they did things in similar ways. Gayla said it was interesting for her sister to see someone else, other than herself, who had similarities with their mother, even though the sisters don't necessarily favor one another. When their reunion weekend ended, they gave hugs, said they'd see each other later, and they ended up having a great relationship for a very long time. Gayla's birth mother even moved to Georgia, and while she was getting situated and finding a job, she lived with Gayla and her husband for a while. It was just kind of like business as usual. We went along and we... It was almost like she had not ever not been in my life, but at the same time, it was new. Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah. <laughs> we, we did have a, a rough patch. She, she did say something about my mother at one point, but rubbed me wrong and it you know it kind of left a, a hard spot but you know I I've come to the realization that I have to let that go I can't let that be something that hinders my relationship I mean my mother is no longer with us and you know I can let it fester and boil or I can let it go. Yeah, um, it's it's a funny thing that healing that you have to do. You know, you re <laughs> the comment flies, it hits you hard, and then yeah. you realize you're the only one still stinging from it, right? Yeah, and and you know, I it was one of those situations where she had been in my children's life all of their lives, so I couldn't just walk away. Um, she was as much their grandmother as my adopted mother was. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't take something from my children that I had introduced to them, even though she was in my life before they came along. I couldn't just sever that for them. So while our relationship hasn't been what it was to begin with, I didn't just totally, you know, put her out. I mean, mm -hmm. that would have been, wrong of me yeah, uh, for my children's sake. Gail's birth mother shared her birth father's first name and what she believed was his last name. Remember, she had been set up on a blind date and given the circumstances, she had blocked out many details from the past. Her birth mother had even forgotten Gail's birth date, which Gail said stung at first. But then she remembered the circumstances, how her birth mother just wanted to get out of there and she empathized with her need to move those painful memories to the dark recesses of her mind. Gayla had been looking for her birth parents for nearly 30 years, but without the man's name, she didn't know what she was looking for. With those possible variations of the man's last name her birth mother gave her, Gayla was able to search her DNA records and start narrowing the possibilities. She had submitted her sample in 2018 after a work friend had been after Gayla to just Go ahead and spit in the tube. Her results brought back a second cousin match, which opened new doors. One which had the last name she was looking for, associated with her biological grandfather. With a quick Facebook search, she found her biological father online. Actually, I found a picture of my nephew um, that could be my son's twin. I mean, wow. I, uh, matter of fact, I screenshotted it and I sent it to all of my my dear friends, and I said, is this like my son? <laughs> and they're like, it's not. And I'm like, no. <laughs> so, 
you know, it was very heavy gene pool. <laughs> wow. I, uh, of course, Facebook messaged <laughs> him and my oldest sibling, um, and they didn't respond. Um, I had found a sister on that side, too, and I really didn't want to message her um, only because I know I'm an emotional being and, you know, it's like, although as a female, I knew she would probably be the one to answer <laughs> at the same time, you know, I knew the emotional component that was going to be there. So she was the last resort, um, only because I, I knew what an emotional situation it would be. Um, neither my father nor my brother responded. So I finally messaged her. Um, I was actually sitting at work and, uh, my phone, the only thing that dings on my phone is my messenger. Everything else I've got silenced. I don't know why that dings, why I didn't silence <laughs> that. But, uh, I, uh, when I messaged her, I just said, I'm looking for this person. He would have been, you know, in Valdosta during this date range. Um, I think he may be related to you. You know, can you help me? I'm trying to build a family tree. And my phone dinged, and she said, yes, that's my father. And uh, uh, butterflies churned because I knew at that point that, that I was actually having a conversation with a sibling. It kind of went silent after that. Um, and about three hours later, my brother messaged back and said, my sister shared this with me. What are you looking for? Um and that really wasn't a conversation I wanted to have via text, <laughs> but at the same time, I needed to have the conversation. So I just laid it all out and told him who I was. And of course, he didn't believe me and he had no reason to believe me. Um, his mother and father had been married for 50 years, you know, and as far as they knew, had had a faithful, committed 50 year marriage. And, and I did about before their marriage um it wasn't that he um cheated on his wife um mm -hmm. although it it does appear from conversation with my brother that they probably were engaged at the time but uh, they had not said their vows they were not married so you know he was trying to swallow all that and come to terms with it and you know, he would, I, you know, by this time I had done my research. I had looked, I had searched, I had found as much information about my father as I could. You know, so he, he would throw out things and, you know, kind of in disbelief. And I would throw stuff right back that's like, oh, yes, yeah, she doesn't know what she's talking about kind of stuff. Um, so he finally, he just said, you know, if you're my sister, I need to know. After going back and forth. Discussing facts Gayla had uncovered, proving she had done her research, her brother agreed to do a DNA test. She bought the kit and had it mailed to his home. Six weeks later, their results were in, and they proved exactly what Gayla already knew they would. They were siblings. She had also sent a picture of her son, the one that looked so much like her brother's son. And she sent pictures of herself that very much resemble their father. Next, Gayla poured her heart into a letter to her biological father, sharing that she didn't want anything from him, that she had no hard feelings about the past, and she would like to get to know him. He didn't respond. I thought, you know, he's, he, I'm not going to let him dismiss me. Um, so I sent the next letter certified 
so that I knew he got it. Mm-hmm. And he signed for it. So that was a whole new set of emotion. You know, it's like, well, I know he's got it in his hands. Did he open it? <laughs> you know, and I sent him pictures so he could see me and see his grandchildren and, you know, see the similarities. Um, but he never responded. And uh, much like my mother, <laughs> I'm not one that takes no <laughs> for an answer very easily. So uh, I thought, you know, I don't know what's going through his mind, but maybe he needs to see me. Um, so I got in the car and I drove. Um, I took my sidekick that's here with me. <laughs> really? And uh, and my friend from work that had, you know, encouraged me to do the DNA test, they, they went along with me. Um, we loaded up the car and we drove to Dad's. <laughs> wow. How far was this? And, uh, about a five-hour drive. Wow. Um, so you knew he had your letter, but he had no idea you were coming. Well, you know, it's funny. My brother, he told me, he said, you know, I've, I've told him that he really should expect you to show up at some point. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, I guess he got that from our conversation. He, he knew I needed to know. So I'm assuming he knew at some point it was very possible that I might show up on his doorstep. <laughs> But uh, wow. in the back of in the back of my mind, I think that maybe he thought she won't be that bold, but I was. <laughs> <laughs> so it really, in hindsight, it all unfolded in what I consider to be a god wink. I mean, he was in the yard. Um, his neighbor had had a tree that had been struck by lightning or something. It was down across his driveway, so. To me, that was a blessing because I didn't have him pinned in his house. You know, we were standing in the yard where he could walk away if he needed to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I didn't I didn't have him cornered, which would have been uncomfortable probably for all of us. Yeah, because similarly, we, you can't get the door slammed in your face either. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it, he, he was really kind of funny. I mean... I walked up and introduced myself, and I, you know, I said, "I guess you know who I am." And he's like, "No." I'm like, "Okay, we're we're going to go down this road." And I said, "Well, you know, I sent you a a letter." And he said, "No, nope, didn't get a letter." And it's like, mm, "Well, yeah, you signed for it." <laughs> <laughs> I think you did. And then I think at that point he realized, "Yeah, she's not going away." <laughs> so uh, you know, I, I we just had light conversation. I mean, I tried to keep it as light as I could. And I did know a lot about him because I had done some research, knew really more about my grandfather than him per se. Um, My grandfather was a World War II veteran, um, prisoner of war. So I had found a lot of things about him, you know, and I'm telling him this and he's like, wow, (laughs) you know, you you know a lot about me. And it's like, well, yeah, I've had 50 years to, uh, wonder and once I found you I researched but probably the most unique thing was he and my son both attended the University of Georgia um, both UGA graduates and my son my son early on told me he says you know I want to be a zoologist I'm like okay what are you going to do as a zoologist but that's what you want to do we'll we'll go there um that's actually what my father's degree is in. Are you University serious? <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. 
I, uh, I started looking through the archives of UGA. I found his graduation announcement, and right there beside his name, uh, Bachelor of Science in Zoology. So, uh, you know, you, those things, you, just, you can't make that up. <laughs> That's unreal. And, That's so cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, and here's a man that, that grew up up north. And, so, you know, these are questions running through my mind is how did you wind up at the University of Georgia? <laughs> there's some great universities right there where you were born and raised. Right. How did you wind up at the University of Georgia? Right. And then your degree is in the one thing that my son had an interest in. And, of course, my son's degree is not in, in zoology. He, he got a wildlife science degree, but still along the same line. <laughs> oh, absolutely. That's you know, close so. enough for me. At the same <laughs> university? I mean, yeah. listen, that's a bullseye for me for as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> So, you know, that was something neat for me to be able to share with my son, you know, that, you know, this is pretty cool. Your granddad's a UGA grad, too, and zoology is his degree. Gayla went on to share that she's always been fascinated with military aircraft, and her biological father and his father, her grandfather, were both pilots. Anyway, she established her presence with her birth father there in his yard on her surprise visit. You know, he just said he wasn't ready to go there and you know i had to respect that um i held out my hand thanked him for the conversation that he did have with me and he said maybe after the first of the year you know we can revisit um i since have upset him and he's asked me not to contact him anymore but that's his loss i can't i can't let that bring me down it does make me angry that he um really isn't considering my feelings in this, but I have to respect his feelings too. So um, it is what it is. Yeah, it is. And you're right. I like what you've said, that it's his loss, you know, because you didn't ask to be here and you are. And so, you know, you can only do what you can do. And, and yeah, they do have to consider your feelings too. It's true. Yeah. I have written him a letter um, apologizing for the the boundaries that I overstepped that uh, brought him to the conclusion that he didn't want me to contact him anymore. Um, and I, I pretty much told him that, you know, I have feelings in this too, and I understand that this is difficult for you, but, you know, I'm the only true innocent person in the scenario. Um, didn't ask to be here, uh, but I'm here. And I'm real, just like his other three children. So I left my information at the bottom of the letter, and he'll either come to terms with it at some point and write or email or call, or he won't. Yeah. How long ago was that that you sent this letter? Well, I haven't actually sent it. It's in my car, ready to go, <laughs> ready to, go to the post office. I keep finding reasons not to put it in the mail. But you hear that, Lisa? Uh, that's Excuse your, me. I say, you hear that, Lisa? That's your next task. <laughs> it is my next task, but let her tell you what it was that she did to upset him so badly, because I think that that has a lot to do with what she sends to him. Uh, well, I, I'm an eccentric person to some extent. Mm-hmm. I find things that are a lost art that are going away. Um, three years ago for my 50th birthday, um, 
some girlfriends from high school. We had all gone our separate ways and lost contact, and we all um, got back together. We celebrated 50. But in in the midst of that, I realized, you know, little notes and cards and things are becoming a thing of the past. Nobody takes the time to pen a note, to pen a letter. Everybody's on the go. You send a text. You send, you know, you, you don't sit down and write your thoughts and, and things down and, and mail them anymore. So uh, three years ago, I decided, you know, I'm going to do better about this. I'm going to make sure I send those Christmas cards, send those birthday cards, send those little hellos and I'm thinking of you kind of things. So uh, at Thanksgiving, uh, which I thought was kind of appropriate because I was feeling pretty thankful. I had found the other route to my family tree. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I... Um, was sending out my Thanksgiving cards, and I, you know, it wasn't that I just sent 10. I sent about 40 Thanksgiving cards, and uh, his brother and sister uh, were two of the cards that I sent, and he got his feelings hurt and was mad that I reached out to his siblings, and, you know, in hindsight, I guess I probably should have asked how he felt about that, and that's the, the reason for the letter to apologize. Um, I sh I let my feelings take the lead and did not think about how he would feel about that. Yeah. And, and I do owe him an apology for that. So um, needless to say, it upset him, and he decided at that point he didn't want me to contact him anymore. So, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I can understand both perspectives. You're excited yeah. to be yeah. in contact and you're a generous, sounds like kind hearted, thoughtful person. And you wanted to include yeah. these new yeah, roots you know, on your tree in that I didn't, gratefulness. Yeah. I didn't write them anything in the card. I just signed my name. It was just a Thanksgiving thought, you know, it wasn't yeah. like I was introducing myself to them and this is who I am and this is where I am. I just sent them a card. So, yeah. But by the same token, you can understand from his perspective, oh, which yeah. is probably why you're apologizing yeah. that the, even though you yeah. didn't introduce yourself, you did in fact introduce yourself by being a stranger in their well, thank you yeah, cards. So yeah, it's good that you've got an apology written that it's out in the car. Yeah. That sounds like right after this, you can go and mail because there's no reason uh, to probably wait. Probably not today. It's raining in Georgia. Uh, <laughs> I, I think the rain. I think the rain. I think the mail still gets delivered in the rain. Well, yeah, but I, I don't like water. <laughs> I'll, probably, I'll probably drop it in the mail at, at work on Monday when I go back to work. So That sounds good. Very good. Yeah, that's good that you're reaching out to apologize. I mean, we gotta. We yeah. also have to acknowledge the boundaries that are present that are not necessarily explicit, but that yeah. we do accidentally cross. And it's good that you yeah. he once said it. Unfortunately, he said don't be in contact with me anymore. But that also sounds um, overly um, sensitive. And I think there's well, probably room know, for an apology. I've started my letter in that after this correspondence, I will honor your request. And this is the last contact I will make with you. But I feel like I need to apologize. So um, he can do with that whatever he wants. Um, if he'll even open it. I don't know that he'll even open it, but I will have made the gesture and that's all I can do. So. Yeah. You know, I can't help but think <laughs> if <clears throat> you could write a postcard, which is something you don't have to open. The message is right there. When you flip it over on the back, you can't help but read it. 
And yeah. that's an easy way to make sure that somebody sees your message without thinking to yeah. myself, they're going to, they're, they're never going to open this envelope. The message is right yeah. there. And you've said, you're sorry. So, um, how are you doing now? Um, you know, I have good days and, and bad days. Um, I decided to reach out to you and do this because I felt like maybe this is a way to to get some closure for myself and and just put it all to rest. Mm-hmm. Um, there are days I'm angry um, that he's kind of dismissed me. Yeah. But you know, then I have to stop and think that's that's his choice. Um, I have a loving family and friends. I lived without him for 53 years, and, you know, That's I'll right. be fine the next 53 if if he chooses not to, to come around. I, I'm not sitting here by myself without any love in my life, so um, I, can't, I can't dwell on it. You know, like I say, there are days that, that are hard um, when you, excuse me. When I stop and think, I didn't do anything to him. And I, I, he's not, he's not given me the opportunity to get to know me um, because I didn't do anything to him. I'm here because of him, not because of anything I've done. And those days are hard. Yeah. But, you know, you just, I have to move on. That's right. And as you've said, you've been here 53 years without him. This was an attempt to insert somebody into a place that it sounds like you almost didn't really need an insertion, to be honest with you. I mean, you've had a great dad up until the time you were four. Another guy came along and was another excellent dad who was resilient enough to put up with your crap, right? And ended up loving you very (laughs) much. So... You know, the insertion of a third dad, as much as I, I totally get it, the biological yeah. relation is just, just undeniable. Yeah, it's a need to know. You know where you came from. Yeah. And and there's yeah. there's something to the rejection that comes from someone whom you came from that yeah. is, it just stings that much more. So I get the anger and understand it, but I hope. Well, that- you know, I, I really didn't think that if he rejected me, it would affect me. Mm-hmm. Um until I stood there and looked at him and realized he was the one I looked like, you know, um, his gene pool was heavy in my genetics. Yeah. Um, And then the whole thing with the similarities with, with his education and my child's education. And I mean, you know, you had all that there and, I think maybe if it had not been so similar and I did not look so much liking, and I may be wrong, but maybe I would have said whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah. But uh, when, when you're standing there and you're looking at him and, you know, it's like, yeah, he, he's my father. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, it kind of turned my world upside down in a way I wasn't expecting, I guess. Yeah, I can I can totally understand that that face-to-face just changes everything for sure and especially seeing your yeah. own face on someone else just it's a game yeah. changer for sure and I, I i think that's something that most people don't understand when 
when you have that conversation because they know who they look like. They know where they came from. Right. And when you don't, it, it's and then all of a sudden there it is. You see it. it it's big. Yeah. It's huge. It's, it's huge. It's yeah. it's life changing because uh, it's never yeah. been in your life before, right? Wow. Yeah. Well, Gayla, I'm glad you took time and you sort of bravely stood up and said, this is my story. I got to own it no matter how it has unfolded. And I'm really appreciative yeah. for you reaching out. Lisa, I well, hope you'll give her a big, huge hug for me. <laughs> well, you know, I don't know that my story will help anybody else. Um, like I said at the beginning, I, I had a pretty awesome story. So, um, uh, but hopefully, hopefully it will. I mean, if nothing else, maybe hopefully it'll help somebody realize that it, we're who we are. And we just have to deal with it and, and move on. We can't, we can't let it define us. That's right. I believe every story helps somebody. So yeah. thanks for sharing yours. Take care, Gayla. All the best. Thank you, Damon. And thanks for what you do because I, I enjoy hearing other people's journeys. It, it gets me through the day sometimes. <laughs> That's good to hear. You guys take care. Yeah. Bye, Lisa. Bye, Gayla. Bye, Damon. Bye-bye. Hey, it's me. I wrote to Gayla right before editing her episode to get an update on how things were going for her. She replied with the following email. I did send the apology letter I told you I had written. No reply, but didn't really expect one. My brother and I had a long, positive conversation. He said that my dad always asks about, quote, the girl, close quote, when they speak. Guess it's something. At least I cross his mind. I did share the letter I sent to dad with my brother. Felt he should know the, quote, whole story, close quote, from both sides as to where dad and I are. I still would like to have a friendship with my dad, but I can move on knowing that I did all I could within the bounds of what he would allow to make amends. I hope that Gayla's biological father can find it within himself to reconcile with her and let her back in. Like so many biological parents in scenarios of secondary rejection, he's missing out on the good person that Gayla is. I'm Damon Davis, and I hope you'll find something in Gayla's journey that inspires you, validates your feelings about wanting to search, or motivates you to have the strength along your journey to learn. Who am I, really? If you would like to share your adoption journey and your attempt to connect with your biological family, please visit whoamireallypodcast.com slash share. You can follow the show at facebook.com slash really or follow on Twitter at really. If the show is meaningful to you, you can support me with a contribution to keep it going on patreon.com slash really. Please subscribe to Who Am I Really on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. It would mean so much to me if you took a moment to leave a five-star rating there. Those ratings can help others to find the podcast too. And if you're interested, you can check out the story of my adoption journey, Who Am I Really? An Adoptee Memoir on Amazon.com, on Kindle, or as an audiobook on Audible. I hope you'll add my story to your reading list.